are glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Third John, we'll just go ahead and uh, start reading in verse 12 and read through verse 14, and then I'm going to read a couple of other texts in conjunction with it. Third John, verse 12. Demetrius hath a good report of all men and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, or we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee, our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Now if you would go to Romans chapter 12, with your mind on the, the words good report. Romans chapter 12, verse 17. And by the way, I believe what is true uh, in these verses concerning us as individual Christians should also be true of us as a church, as a local New Testament church. This church can either have a, an evil report because we do not conduct ourselves the way we should, or we can have a good report. May I say many of the standards of conduct we put in place, before I read this next text, about how we'll conduct business in our church is about the message we're dealing with tonight. We must have a good report among men. And so Romans 12, verse 17, the Bible says, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Now, we already know we need to provide things honest in the sight of God, but here the instruction is in the sight of all men. Now, if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The context of 2 Corinthians 8 is, is material giving. Financial material giving from Christian to Christian, church to church, okay, or churches to church. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 21. Uh, let's go back to verse 20. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Thank you. you may be seated. I wanted to read those verses in conjunction with 3 John 12 because he speaks of Demetrius having a good report of all men, meaning Demetrius lived the same no matter who he was in front of. Could we say the same of Diotrephes? Did Diotrephes talk the same way about John when John was present as when John was absent? Apparently not. He was, he was railing on, if you would, or using malicious words against John and his co-laborers. And so it would seem that Diotrephes was two kinds of people. By the way, every church will experience someone like this at some point or time. Someone who has refused to live a life of faithful obedience to the Lord, so they must use some other means to build a platform upon which to, to gain influence. And the best way to do that is to be a two-faced person, one person went around one group of people, another when those are not around. These are what we call gossipers, backbiters, this kind of thing, to where the only way to gain influence in the church is to destroy the influence of others and garner that for oneself. And that's what we saw in Diotrephes. Demetrius, on the other hand, had a good report of all men. That doesn't mean every man on earth knew Demetrius, but all the people that knew him had the same report. He was the same kind of a guy. I believe the context of this, if you, if you look at the entire context of the chapter, what he's pointing about Demetrius is he was a man of integrity. He's a good report among, of all men. And then he says, and of the truth itself, meaning when Demetrius is put against the test of the truth, 
he lines up. He's an honest man. He is honestly, he's not pretending to have faith. He's not pretending to believe God. He's not pretending to be a servant of of God's people. He is. The truth, when you put the facts to the test against who Demetrius really is, you find a guy that adds up. He He has a good report, not only of all men, but of the truth itself. And then he says, not only of all men, but of the truth itself. He says, let me throw in there, and we also bear record. He said, we're also, John, I, John, the elder, and those with me bear record. Uh, uh, and you know that our record is true. He said, I know Demetrius, and I'm giving the same report. Now, we don't know why it was necessary to for John to defend Demetrius's integrity and his record. He must have, have come under the, uh, I'm, I'm guessing, we don't know this, but I'm thinking Diotrephes must have had his sights set on Demetrius. And so John says, let me uh, affirm again, Diotrephes is the bad guy, Demetrius is the good guy. Eh? That's really what's going on. But it brings us again to this idea of a good report. And a good report has to do with what men say about us. Uh, In the last couple of weeks, I've heard um, of, uh, there's there's some younger men that I'm aware of, and older men have gone out of their way to say, this is one of the most faithful Young men I know. Uh, it's, it's a young preacher I'm thinking of. He's back east. And I know now of three older preachers who've been in the ministry a lot of years. And they say, that young man is faithful with the Word of God. He's one of the better preachers you're going to hear. He is, uh, lives a consistent Christian life. Here's where I'm at. Because of the men who've said that about that young man, if he ever decides to visit Bonnersbury, Idaho, he'll be preaching here without me asking one question. I would gladly say, please, preach to us. Why? And he's a younger man, probably in his late 20s. But he has a good report among men who are examining his life. And here's what I believe. If we find ourselves in a place where we are unwilling to let others who are are able to examine our lives do so, we're unwilling to be examined by men, have our motives examined, our methods examined, we're in trouble. We are to provide things honest in the sight of all men. We are not to live lives that cannot be examined or put under scrutiny. We should live in such a way we're not afraid of that. We should not be afraid of having our doctrine known openly. There are people that sit in pews for years holding certain doctrines they would never tell fellow church members they hold. Why would that be? If you hold a doctrine that's in the Bible, be open about it. Are you with me? I wonder, I wonder how Diotrephes' doctrine changed when the Apostle John came around. I wonder if that's why he didn't want John to come around. Well, if he's around, I can't speak openly to what I really think. <laughs> and so Demetrius was not like that. He had a good report. So, again, with that in mind, I want to think along the lines of uh, we understand we're to never, ever, ever be a people pleaser, not ever. We're to live to please God, but when we do, men are going to see that. And there's going to be a report about how we conduct ourselves. And so this matter of good report, as I said before, it's a theme that runs throughout the Scripture. I'll give you three things concerning a good report, as it is called in the Old Testament, a good name. I believe they're the exact same thing. Having a testimony of, of, uh, of, of honesty and of faithfulness among men. And so then, let's begin tonight by looking at the potential of good report. The potential of having... A good report. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 1, a verse that many people know and could quote. All right, Proverbs 22, verse 1 says this A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. 
a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. Let me say this before we dive any further into the, the heart of this message. I believe everyone wants to be trusted. But you and I must understand that to be trusted, may I say this, let me back up just a little bit. When it comes to salvation, how many of us understand there's a difference in what is necessary for our salvation and what is necessary to be entrusted with service? People confuse this. The radical grace crowd today wants to take verses that have to do with salvation, slide that over and apply that and say, God receives you as you are. Forgiveness is by grace. And therefore, if you're in the family of God, you're equally qualified to serve God. That's not so. How many know there are certain things in the Bible you can be saved but not qualified to serve in an area? So the idea is this. We're not speaking tonight about what gets us a relationship with God. We are here speaking about our relationship with men. Trust and forgiveness, two different things. I think it's one of the key things we must understand. We, we must forgive each other without any question. But we must not cheaply give away trust. Amen? Then we do harm to the name of our Lord. And so a good name tonight is something that we're not dealing with our... It has to do with our fellowship with God. We're not talking about establishing relationship. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about trust when it comes to men. And so we begin with this point, the potential. And I use the word potential for this reason. It has to do with the the words used in Proverbs 22, verse 1. A good name is rather to be, and what's the next word? Chosen, meaning you and I have a choice to make about the kind of name we're going to have as Christians. A good name is something we can choose. And it can be chosen. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. It tells me if it can be chosen, then there is to us the possibility of having a good name. You and I can establish a good name. A young person can have a good name. You know how I know that? Acts chapter 16, the Bible says, Timothy, who was Paul's son in the faith, a young man, even when First Timothy was written, let no man despise thy youth, but... Be thou an example of believers. When 1 Timothy was written, he was still young. So I'm assuming back in Acts 16, well, before 1 Timothy was written, he was even younger. In Acts 16, the Bible says Timothy had a good report among the brethren. A good report. Meaning, everyone who knew Timothy said, that is a fine young man. That young man can be trusted. You can trust him to do the right thing. Tonight, a good name is a possibility for every person in this room that is a child of God. You can't have a good name until you've been saved because you don't have the capability to carry through with the will of God. But if you're saved tonight, a good name is not for the elite Christian. It's for any person who chooses it. But may I say, (laughs) I get a little ahead of myself, it does have to be chosen. It's not something that happens automatically. It's not something that you're either born into and have the talent for or not. It is a choice, and you will only make that choice if it is important to you. I hope God can use the message tonight to make it important to you. May I say this? If we want trust but are not willing to do the things necessary to get trust, don't get offended when the trust doesn't come. Amen? Yeah, we, we, we trust must be earned, if you would, and it is earned through faithfulness. That's what happens. That's what we're talking about in this idea of a good name. So a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. That tells me the potential is there. It's a possibility. It is a choice that you and I can make. We can make the choice to prioritize having a good name. Number two in this verse is not only the possibility of having a good name or a good report, but the preciousness. 
Uh, again, Proverbs 22, verse 1 said, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and loving favor than silver and gold. Why would God say something like that? Because it's true. <laughs> a good name, meaning a, a decades of faithfulness, will give you far more influence than millions of dollars. It's true. You go to a millionaire's funeral who lived like the devil, and you tell me the kind of influence he has. All that you have around there is buzzards waiting for the old guy to be in the graves so we can get what he had. Do you take a pauper who was faithful and was honest in his living and godly and go to his funeral and you find out the kind of influence he had? You can buy more with a good name than you can with silver and gold. I'm talking about eternal treasures. We're not talking about earthly treasures, but eternal treasures. I believe this. Many of us want to see our friends and family saved. Then we've got to take tonight's message extremely seriously. Our name has nothing to do with saving us, but has so much to do with seeing other people saved. Our credibility among lost people, if we are not living honest lives, meaning if we are keeping sin concealed in our life and living a double life, and then we expect to have true influence on others that's going to last, that's not going to happen. We have to choose to have a good name. So the choice is there. That's the possibility. But number two, the preciousness. We find its preciousness in two verses here in Proverbs 22, verse 1, which speaks of silver and gold, and that has to do with the price of a good name. I believe this proverb is worded this way intentionally because it's given by the Spirit of God. But when you listen to the meaning of this, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. The truth is many times that is the choice that has to be made. If you want a good name, you're going to have to forego certain riches. That's exactly what often has to happen. I am going to say no to this economic opportunity that I might have a testimony of consistent Christian living, of living according to the principles I say I believe. So that when my, when my faith is put to the test of the Bible definition of faith, the truth itself will bear record that I have a good record, a good report uh, in the light of the truth. And so many times it is either or, a good name or riches a good name, or silver and gold. How much money is made today by compromises? How much silver? I'm talking about personal compromises, about spiritual uh, obedience and faithfulness. How many a man has taken his family out of church in order to gain financially and in the end lost a, an influence with his family and by and by he, he preferred the silver and gold over the good name and he lost his influence. He got the money but he lost his influence. And so it is with churches many times in order to grow, in order to expand, in order to gain influence in the community. We make doctrinal compromises. We make practical compromises with music or with godly living or uh, 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 holiness in our appearance and our conduct or whatever it may be so that we can gain influence in the community. How can we influence the community if we're just a handful of people? We've got to have more people if we want to have more influence. We're going to have more people. We've got to make people happier. And if they're going to be happier, we're going to have to make... We've got to quit preaching so strong on this. We get more people to stay if we wouldn't preach so strong on certain things in the Bible. Just don't preach them at all. And if we just make a few little compromises, well, we can do that, lose our good name, gain temporarily in numbers, but ultimately lose our influence. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, and often that is exactly the choice that has to be made. How do we determine value of something? The price. How much? How do you say that is something of great value? With purchasing power. How much can you get with it? Right? You can get earthly goods with silver and gold, but you cannot get treasure in heaven with silver and gold. 
but a good name can lay up treasure in heaven. You know, if the lost people in this town don't like my preaching, I at least hope they know they can trust me to tell them the truth from God. Amen? They may not like the preacher, but I pray they know. If there's a preacher that we know will tell us the truth, we can call that one. The same for you. You may not be a pastor, but if you're a Christian and they say, man, I can't not bear the fact you won't leave me alone. But pray, it ought to be us. We ought to be the one that when the lost co-worker's life is upside down, they say, well, I know one true Christian in this place, and it's that one right there. That's what we're talking about, having a good report. Where people know you are what you say you are, Silver and gold won't do that, but a good name can. Good name will give you a platform to witness from and give you treasure in heaven. Its price is seen in Proverbs 22, verse 1. Its power is seen in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1. Have you ever been around somebody that wears some kind of cologne or perfume, and every time you're around them, you know they're near because they have a distinct, not, I didn't say stink, I said distinct, smell that is favorable to your nostrils. Say, man, that, that smells good. When someone puts on perfume, and if it's truly expensive ointment, it, it has influence. They influence their entire atmosphere. When they walk in the room, it's pleasant, and it's influential. An ointment is influential. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1 said, A good name is better than precious ointment. And again, I believe this is used because it's dealing with influence. Precious ointment makes someone, it is known they're present, but their, their presence is an influence on their atmosphere. And a good name is better than precious ointment. And the day of death than the day of one's birth. Why would the day of your death be better than the day of your birth? Again, because of influence. Because you've been able through your life and a good name established to a life on this earth, your life and the good name that God gave you, the good report you had among men, uh, was used of God in an eternal way. Amen? How many of you today would, would rather be an Apostle Paul who died for his faith in Jesus Christ or a Herod who died wealthy and a king? I know which one I'd rather be. I'd say the day of Paul's death was far better than the day of his birth, wouldn't you? Yeah. And so then we're dealing with the fact that a good name or a good report is precious because of its influence, because of its purchasing power. And again, uh, you and I, I believe we hear so much today about how can we further the gospel? What can we do for the furtherance of the gospel? One of the most effective things you can do is establish a good report among men. Live an honest, true life, meaning a life free, 0% hypocrisy in our lives. If you said, Pastor, what are your spiritual goals for this church? I would say number one, number one on my list is this right here. That we would be a people who are not double-minded. We would be a people who have spiritual integrity, a people who are not neither hot or cold, but fire, red fire hot for the Lord. That that's what we are. We don't have to say so. Our lives would demonstrate that. Number one on my list of things I desire for Bonner's Ferry Baptist Church and spiritual well-being is spiritual integrity, that we would be exactly what we're supposed to be. There would be no fanfare. We would be legitimate, consistent Christians, inside and out, 100%, not double-minded, but single-minded. And that starts right here. That's my desire in my life. It's my desire for us, because here's why. I believe if we will be wholehearted and single-hearted toward our Savior, every other spiritual goal will follow. 
The spiritual fruitfulness in your home will follow. The spiritual fruitfulness in my home will follow. Our fruitfulness in winning souls in the community is bound to follow at some point in time. Whether it's by droves or just one or two, I believe this. If we want to establish and be the influence in our community we're supposed to be, we must put on the one number one priority list in our lives having a good report, being known among this community as being real Christians. Not so we're not charged with being hypocrites. You can't stop that. But we must know in our conscience the charge is not true. Amen? We'll always be charged with hypocrisy because you'll never line up with everybody's expectation of you. But as long as you and I in our conscience know we've lined up with God's expectation and that if the charge is given, it's only false in order to discredit the message that's preached, then we can live with that. A good report, the potential of it, it's possible you can choose it. And we must not miss that point tonight. It must be chosen, and it can be chosen. It's powerful. I want to tell you something. Young people, you have much. God has invested much in you. He's given you talents and abilities. But if you have talents, abilities, whether they be intellectual or, or physical, and that is not coupled with godly character, then your life will be a waste. If your talents and your gifts that have been given you by God... Um, are not submitted to the Lord and used to establish a good report so that people can see that the faith of the gospel is not a game, that it's real. Now, I believe this tonight. Every person who's had major influence on my life, at the moment they were influencing me, and some have not stayed true, but at the moment they were what stood out to me. They are all over all over the map as far as their age, as far as their, their backgrounds, but the one thing that was true was they were genuine. You want to say, what are the people that have influenced you to serve the Lord? People that you could look and they were the same no matter who they were around. They truly and genuinely and sincerely looked me in this. They had a good report. They had a good name among men. And so then, the potential. Number two, the priority, which I've already alluded to. If this matter of having a good report is so valuable, then should it not be a priority in our lives? Should it not be something we are aligning with day by day and saying, okay, am I representing the faith that I hold truly among men? Am I establishing a good report? Am I establishing, here's what a good report is, having a testimony that we can be trusted because we're loyal and faithful to the truth. John's theme is truth and love, is it not? How do you have the opportunity to genuinely love people if they cannot trust you? If you and I cannot be trusted, if people know we will modify the truth for personal gain, if people know we'll ignore the truth for personal comfort, how are we going to be trusted? If they already know that about us, they'll be loyal to the truth until it hurts too bad, and then they'll lie. And we lose our trust. Truth and love are inseparable. By the way, there are people who hate your guts while they know you love them. <laughs> we still got to be loyal to the truth. Amen? And I believe that's why John is concluding. He said, here's Demetrius. He hath a good report. The good report it should be a priority. The priority of it, I believe, can be demonstrated by a few things. When God was establishing who would have committed to them trust in the local churches, do you realize on his list of numerous lists was they must have a good report? They must have an honest report, meaning they must have an established testimony of trustworthiness among men before they can be entrusted with some position of trust. And so the requirement of having a good name in the New Testament tells us it's a priority because God made it a priority. Look at Acts chapter 6, verse 3. 
Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Now, the word here is honest report, but it's the same idea. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. How many of you ever, some of you, let me just rephrase this. Some of you never dreaded getting your report card in school. My wife didn't dread getting hers. Great A student. The only reason I dreaded mine is, well, I don't know that I dreaded it either. Get it done with and let's go on, right? But the fact of the matter is, uh, there are some people who don't dread the report card because they have done the due diligence to get a good grade. And we come to a report. A report is simply a, a bringing out of what has been proven through a test. Is that not what a report is? A test is given against the truth. So, for instance, you and I have been given knowledge through classes in school, and then a test is not given to create truth. A test is given to reveal truth, right? You either know your content or you don't. So a teacher will give you a test of the content to test your knowledge, and what knowledge, if you retain the knowledge, you have no need to fear the test because the report that's going to come out is going to say, you know your stuff, right? The only way to modify a test if you don't know your material is to cheat. May I say this? The child of God who is living by faith never need fear the report. Don't need to fear the report. If we're being honest and true, this is not about sinless perfection. It's about faithfulness. That's what it's about. And so then, the idea of having a good report among men is what men, when men report what they know us to be by, by observation, as they observe us go through trials, as they observe us being given the opportunity to sin or the opportunity to do what's right and observe our responses to that, that is where our report comes from. So Acts chapter 6, verse 3. There was a need for men to wait tables in Acts chapter 6. There was a need, as you, you are familiar with, we won't go through all of that for time's sake, but the, the certain widows in the church of Jerusalem were being neglected, and so they're about to hand over the church's assets to these men. They're going to hand over the assets of the church for distribution to the needs. What's going to be necessary? A good report. So they could be members of the church? No. They were already members. But we're going to give you a position of trust, so you need to have a good report. Acts chapter 6, verse uh, 3. Wherefore, brethren... The, the apostles are giving the standards, the rules, the guidelines for how to choose these men. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of what? Honest report. The first thing is the, seven men of dynamic personality. Their personality didn't matter. We know nothing about it. Seven men who have been able to build wealth. No. Seven businessmen, right? If you want men handling your finances, they've got to be businessmen, right? A lot of Baptist churches have diverted to that. Businessmen who are known in the community, well-known, but not of good report. Huh? And then what happens is, well, we're going to make this guy a deacon or a trustee or both because he is a prominent businessman and pe- people respect him or people like him or whatever in the community. We're not sure he's saved, but he sure is well-known and a member of our church. That's not the standard either. Seven men of honest report. He might be poor as a pauper. He might be wealthy. That wasn't on the list. Full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. This would lay out the template for what we would later, I believe, call deacons in 1 Timothy 3. Though they're not called that here. They were waiting tables. They were servants. But think about this. They are ministering food to widows. And God says the first thing on the list is they've got to have an honest report. 
They've got to have a report among men of not being deceitful. And if, these, if you have among you men that you know are trustworthy, honest in their dealings, number one on the list. Now, if you would, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now we're looking at the qualifications of a bishop. 1 Timothy chapter 3, someone who's going to oversee the operations and the preaching, the teaching, the doctrine of the church. He's a, a bishop, an overseer. 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's laying out these standards or rules, uh, uh, requirements, if you would, uh, the test, if you would, even more so, the proof of a man if he's going to be given that position, 1 Timothy 3, 7. And moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. The verse, verse before that says, not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation and so forth. But uh, he must have a good report of them that are without meaning. Among the lost and unbelieving world, this man that desires the office of the bishop he can't be known. The guy can't hold a job. He can't. He doesn't. He want, doesn't pay his bills. He doesn't make an effort to pay his bills. He is irresponsible. People in the community don't trust him. That guy cannot be the bishop in a church. God says he's got to have good report. He's got to have a good name. Can we see that a good report is important to God? He said, "You're going to wait the tables. You're going to serve the church, and you're going to handle church's assets. You're going to have a good report. Be trustworthy to do the things that are appointed to do. If you're going to be the bishop, the overseer. Look at First Timothy five. This goes a step further. First Timothy five. Uh, the Bible says in verse ten. This is talking about widows. If they're to be taken into the number, meaning there would be certain widows of the church that the church would be entirely responsible for their financial care. But man, Paul laid out a list to Timothy. They have to meet a lot of requirements." If they're going to be given church finances like this, meaning if the church is going to take on this widow for full support, there's a number of, of tests to put against this person before you take them into the number. It wasn't taking them into the membership of the church, but caring for them financially. Now, why would that be? Why would all these requirements be in place? So that people wouldn't come take advantage and become backdoor thieves of God's resources. I believe that's part of what's going on. So 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 9 says, Let not a widow be taken in to the number under three score years old. So she's 59, she doesn't qualify. Having been the wife of one man, well reported of for good works. Well reported of for good works. She's going to have a name among men of giving herself to good works. Now, how many of us know good works don't save? but the lack thereof can disqualify us for service or for reception of benefits. So if you're going to take this, these widows into the care of the church, one of the things, one of the things on the list is well reported for good works. I just want to bring these verses out to demonstrate the Holy Spirit of God says, this is important, this matter of a good report, what men say you are through observation of your life matters. May I say this? We... We often set up all kinds of shields to protect from being seen for what we really are. God doesn't want us to be that way. He wants us to live in such a way that men can see it and report it, and it's a good report. Amen? Uh, providing things honest in the sight of all men. So the priority can be seen through the requirement that the Holy Spirit puts forward for positions of example or, uh, or uh, of trust, where you're going to be entrusted with certain things that relate to the church leadership or, or assets and so forth. Number two, we can see the significance or the priority of it in how a good report is resisted by our adversary. And we won't have time to, 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 to delve into all of these verses, but give you an example. All right, Romans chapter, excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter six, Second Corinthians chapter six, verse eight. 
2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8. Much of 2 Corinthians is Paul defending his name to the Corinthians because someone was tearing, trying to tear down his name among them that they might do away with his influence. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 8. Uh, Paul is naming all the things God has used in, in his life to allow him to be used in the ministry. He says in verse 8, By honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers yet true. Now go back to Romans 3. I'll give you an example of what he means when he says by evil report. It's not that it's a good thing to be evil reported of. What I'm trying to say is Satan knows how significant a good name is, so he seeks to destroy it. If he can't destroy your good name by legitimately getting you to destroy it yourself, he'll use slander. But how, many, how many have heard the word scandal? How many know that all scandals are not true? There are men today whose ministries are done when it comes to men. Why? Because someone slandered, caught some traction. I'm not saying, look, there's a lot of scandals that are true. And if men have sinned and destroyed their own name through that, there's not... There's really nothing can be done to repair that other than get forgiveness, step out of the way, serve God wherever you can. But there are some. Someone leveled an accusation that was absolutely not true, and yet that accusation was used to absolutely destroy man's influence. I believe that's exactly what Paul's talking about when he says, by evil report, Satan seeks to use that. By the way, I think these things are necessary. A good report must be able to overcome and you may not get your full good report until you get in heaven, but here we're talking about a report among men. But look at Romans chapter 3 before I lose track of where I'm at. Romans chapter 3, and Paul is talking about those that would accuse him of using grace as a means to promote sin. How many of us know there are people who say that today about believing that we're saved by grace? Well, you say if you're saved by grace and you're eternally secure, then you can just go live however you want. It's not a new accusation. That's an evil report. But the Bible says, Romans 3, 6, God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? Verse 7, for if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, then he says in parentheses, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil, that good may come, whose damnation is just. Paul said, some are slandering us and saying, you know what? The more you sin, the more of God's grace. So go and do evil that God's grace may abound. He said, we are slanderously reported. You know what that tells me? Satan was trying to destroy the influence of the Apostle Paul by saying, he's teaching people to go sin. So what's the point in our message? That tells you it's important enough. A good report among men is such a priority that Satan goes after it to tear it down. And if Satan makes something his target, it must be significant in, in, in regards to the things of God. God says it's a requirement if you're going to serve and be entrusted with, the, the, uh, with, with, with trust from the local church. And Satan says it's so important, I'm going to try to destroy it through slander. Is that not what Diotrephes was doing to John? Using malicious words and, and going about vainly talking, using malicious words to, for what reason? To destroy John's influence on that church. May I say this, if a person in your life has to slander other people to get you to listen to them, cut them off. If someone's got to slice somebody else up and tear them down to get influence, something's wrong. By the way, that's true for all of us. It's not only, not only for us to know in regard to who we'll listen to, but the, the tools we'll use in order to be listened to. We're in a world that is everyone's vying for influence, 
We need to be the people that have influence in an honest fashion through having a good report. So the requirement tells us it's a priority or it's significant. The resistance from the devil tells us it's a priority and that it is significant. And then the results of it. I'll just give you some examples. In Acts 7, we have seven men who are of honest report. One of those was Stephen. The other was Philip. How many of you think those men were influential men? They influence us tonight. Seven men had honest report in Acts 6. A man named Ananias who baptized the Apostle Paul, laid hands on him that his eyes, uh, he might receive his sight. The Bible says of Ananias he had a good report among the Jews. A man named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 who heard the, the gospel preached by Peter and believed and was baptized in the first Gentile household to be officially God to show that the Gentiles were saved as much as the Jews was Cornelius. He had a good report among all the Jewish nation. Timothy had a good report among the believers there in his church. Uh, Hebrews 11 said uh, that, th- that all of these obtained a good report by faith, a good report with God and a good report among men. Demetrius in Third John, meaning people that the Holy Spirit speaks highly of, he notes about them, they had a good report among men. They had a good report among men. And so then, it is needful for us to understand the priority. And then finally, if it's precious, has great potential, and if it is to be a priority in our life because of that, then we ought to be asking ourselves, then if I choose to have a good report, how do I do it? How do I procure a good report among men? Chiefly, you need to do this. You've got to get very good at using the Internet to let people know they should and must trust you more than anybody else. No, they say they say faithfulness is measured in decades. You know how you get a good report? This is rocket science. By being good. Do good, the Bible says. Do good. You know what? There is still good and evil. We've all made many choices today. Those choices were either good or evil. Our choices are either a benefit to other people and a blessing to the heart of our God or they're a detriment to other people. Even the choices we make in private end up having a detriment in public. Uh, The choices we make in private end up having a blessing in in public. What we are in our closet is what we end up being on a housetop. That's a principle in the Bible. If you pray in your closet, you're going to have blessings on the housetop. If you conceal in your closet, there's going to be shame upon the housetop. And the fact of the matter is, you and I have the choice. We have to do good, but how do you do that? How do you procure a good report? The answer is in Hebrews 11, verses 2 and 39. Hebrews 11, that great chapter on faith. This is the only the only verse I found. It doesn't mean the principles are not throughout other places, but it specifically says here's how a good report is obtained. The same way we obtain salvation is the same way we obtain a good report among men. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Somebody help me tonight. When you got saved, did you know how to get saved? Well, of course you had to. And how did God tell you to get saved? Through His Word. But tonight, if you're going to tell somebody else to get saved, what do they need to do? Okay, we know what God has done. What does a person need to do to get saved? What's that? As I say, the answers are always more complicated. Trust Jesus Christ. Is that it? And all the answers I'm hearing are correct. They're all true. We have to believe. But the, the point is, by faith. God told us, unless you believe on my son Jesus Christ, you're going to perish. We all agree with that? How many of us, when you got saved, knew 
you were on your way to hell. You were in trouble with God. You needed someone to save you, and you knew Jesus Christ was the only one who could. So how do we get saved then? I put my trust in Jesus Christ. He did it, not me. I trusted him, and he saved me. Tonight, God tells us you have a good report by faith, meaning now God has saved you. He's going to tell you how to live your life, right? Well, how do we get a good report? By trusting God enough to do what he tells us consistently, having a consistent life of obedience because we trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, 6, and 7, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. Hebrews eleven two says this, For let's back up verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good report. The elders got a good report. How? By faith. God said something. This is rocket science. They believed him. God told Noah, a flood's coming. Noah said, a flood's coming. How do you know it? God said. God told Abel, you're not going to be saved by works. And how God told Abel that, I don't know. But the Bible says Abel operated in faith. And faith is not based on emotion or intellect. It's based on the word of God. God had communicated to Abel that you are saved by, by faith in a substitute, not faith in yourself. Abel believed God and obtained a good report. How many of us tonight say... Good category, Abel. Bad category, Cain. Good category, Isaac. Bad category, Ishmael. Good category, Jacob. Really? How did Jacob get a good report? By faith. He kept believing God. Esau, bad report. We can go right on down the line, can't we? Good report, bad report. How do they get a good report? By faith. Number one, if we're going to have a good report, we must have confidence in the word of God. We get an evil report by not just simply believing what God says. God has numbers of things he's communicated to us about what pleases him and displeases him. We'll make a statement. I don't want us to miss this. We need to understand that being accepted by God is not the same as being acceptable to God. I'm accepted in the beloved in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean everything I do in this life and in my body is acceptable to the Lord. We are to prove, the Bible says we are to prove what is acceptable to the Lord. Hebrews, or Ephesians chapter 5. We are to prove that out. We are to walk more and more and know the things that are acceptable to the Lord. I need to know what thoughts are acceptable to Him. What conduct is acceptable to Him. What speech is acceptable to Him. What is acceptable in the way I work and the way I don't work. What is ex- I need to know what is acceptable to the Lord and then trust Him enough to operate on what He says is acceptable. I need to know what's acceptable in my attitude. If I'm starting to develop an attitude toward this week, this very week, Troubled in my spirit. Well, I'm troubled. Troubled. What's, what's, what's troubling me? I asked the Lord, would you help me? Man, I mean, that, that, it's not always this quick. That quick he brought to my mind something. And I thought, really? And I meditated on that. I chewed on that. And I prayed on that. And I have been blessed ever since then because the Lord showed me my attitude was wrong. And here's the attitude you are not having right now that I have commanded in your life. And I'm, then when God says that through the Bible, by the way, the first test of that thought was, does that line up with what the Bible says? And boy, did it line up. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say is tonight, you and I, if we're going to have a good name among men, a good report among men, we must have confidence in the Word of God. That's what faith is. Hebrews 11:39 repeats the same thing. 
when it says this, and these all, so not only these, these fathers, these elders, but these all, the Bible says, having obtained a good report through faith. Receive not the promise. They didn't get the very thing they were promised in this life, but they had a good report among men through faith, a good report with and from God through faith. If you and I want to be have a good report, we always got to take the side of truth. And if we're going to take the side of truth, we always got to take God's word against everything else. If God's word is plain, then we have to say, then I side with God's word. That's what faith is. We take God's word at, at his word. So confidence in the word of God. Number two, we must be consecrated to the will of God. Faith that doesn't act is not faith. That's not what James said. Faith without works is dead. If I have confidence in the word of God, faith is not only saying I believe the word of God, it's believing it enough to act upon it. We know Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so he says, I want you to use your bodies in a manner that's acceptable to God. That's what it means to live by faith. Noah, because he believed God, took his hand and a hammer and a piece of gopher wood and used his hand to put gopher wood on the side of an ark. His faith resulted in doing something, and so then these obtained a good report through faith. What if we said, you know what, Noah believed God about the flood, but he died in it. Would we believe that Noah believed God? Why not? Because he didn't build an ark like God told him to. So he says, well, I believe God, but I don't really obey him in my life. You're not going to have a good report. You may be saved. You may be a child of God. Dad and I were talking about this today. You may be justified in the sight of God, but you're not justified with men. You show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works, James says. We demonstrate faith by what we do. That's how we establish a good name, when we act upon what we believe. And so then, confidence in the Word of God, consecration to the will of God, and then a consistent walk with God, which is, you can't separate that from being consecrated to the will of God. But look at Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 5, we're talking about one of these who had obtained a good report through faith. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this what? Testimony that he pleased God. You know what testimony is? When someone's willing to speak the facts and testify. Same thing that Demetrius had. John said of Gaius, there is a testimony of you that you're walking in truth. Meaning people were just, you know what testimony is? Someone declaring the truth. People would say about Enoch, that guy walks with God. He had a testimony that he did what? He pleased God, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The Bible tells us Enoch had a testimony that he pleased God. He had a testimony that he walked with God. That's what Genesis tells us, that Enoch walked with God and he was not. And so then we must have a consistent walk with God. We use that term, and sometimes I don't know if it becomes real practical. Walking with God is this. I get the mind of God through the word of God, and when I get God's mind through his word, I step in obedience to what he has communicated to me through his word. That's walking with God. I trust God enough to go the direction he tells me to go. This is the only way to have a good report. If we will not live by faith, we're in danger of becoming a diatrophies because we still want the credibility, but we want it without the walk 
and the witness of a consistent Christian life. Amen? A good name, it's rather to be chosen. It will cost, but boy, is it worth what it costs. Amen? It is built over a consistent time of faithfulness and obedience. And so, a consistent walk with God. I don't know about you tonight. I want a good name. I want, I believe this. God, God works this into your heart. But my desire to, tonight would be, I would far rather have your trust than your favor. Do you understand? Uh, favor is deceitful, Proverbs 31 says. Beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she should be praised. Tonight, it would be far better to be trusted by people than liked by people. And many times we have to choose the one over the other. I'm charging us as a church. Let's not make being liked in the community our goal. Let's make having a testimony of trust. Let's be a people, whether it's the way we work on our job or what we're doing in our personal lives or how we speak to the cashier at the store or how we as a church pay our bills and conduct our business. Let's make sure that we're establishing a good name so that when someone wants the truth, they know who they can talk to. Amen. A good report, a good name. Let's be a Demetrius, not a Diotrephes. Mm-hmm.